batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Ready to move off. Always thought I'd like to say something. There's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other, and all points in between. The Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 70s and 80s, and you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it! And now your hosts, Jeremy and Jeff. One half teaspoon for fast, effective relief. It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hello. And I was just talking to Jeff, and we we took a week off last week, so there there was this is a, a two week break. We've just been crazy, been crazy busy. I've had a lot of stuff at work, but I was telling Jeff that this album, and I'm just this is just coming out, right out of the gate. You know, spoiler alert. This is one of my all time favorite albums we're talking about zz tops trace hombres today so i'm super excited and this is one of you know the other albums we've done jeff i should save all this and talk about it later but i'll just say this all the other albums we've done i think for both of us is they were albums that we weren't super familiar with and so we had to to go and listen and do our homework this album and this is why i wanted to do it this is one that is so ingrained in my head since about 1983 when i bought this album it i mean yeah. i know i know every nuance of every track on this album so i'm i'm really looking forward to to talking about this yeah and, i'm excited to hear these nuances you you speak of and and i know that you play some zz top in your set list with your band yes how many, how many tunes of theirs do you play off the top of your head uh well kind of two okay but we've played around of course with a, a few others but uh neighbor neighbor is the the one that we've been doing yeah from the first um, album from the first album mm-hmm. just entitled the first zz, ZZ top, top first album. album yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, clever and, clever and, those guys are clever yeah <laughs> well, that's like a if you're gonna release an album as a band just call it the first album yeah the group big star kind of a not a huge commercial band, but they're kind of one of these critic, critical darling bands. Maybe we'll talk about Big Star. Their first album they called Number One Record, which I thought <laughs> that was pretty clever too. <laughs> that is clever. Um, the other tune we do is Nationwide. Love that song. Yeah. That's a great one. His voice on that's pretty pretty fun. We're already getting into it. I, I'll, I'll, I won't say what I'm about to say, but to that point, we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, before we get into this album, Trace Ombres from ZZ Top, we're gonna we're gonna do something a little new, Jeff. And and I just threw this out to Jeff. This is gonna be our invitation to each other. If we come across any new artists that we think classic rock fans would dig, we can introduce it here. We'll share it here. But I gotta tell you. I saw, a, it's again, Frontier Records. It's like I'm a shill for Frontier Records. I've mentioned Frontier Records. <laughs> I think they should be the sponsor. I, hey, ooh, let's see what we can do. Frontier Records has a new record out <laughs> by a group called Garish 
and the Chronicles. And they are from India. So when I saw this band from India, of course, what am I thinking? You know, I I have stereotypes. I'm I'm, uh, assuming I'm going to hear sitar and all this stuff. And I put on this album. Their new album is called Rock the Highway. (laughs) And dude, this is like straight from 1988. 1987, 1988, you hear some Night Ranger, you hear some Motley Crue. I think I'm more of an 80s hair metal guy than you are, but this is quality butt rock. I mean, it's it's good stuff. I mean, the vocals are phenomenal. This guy is incredible. The guitars, I mean, it's it literally sounds like 1987, 1988. And I had never heard of these guys. And uh, it's it's just ridiculous how fun this album is. And that's, that's nice. what I'll say. It's kind of like the uh, Tokyo Motor Fist. But I mm. think these guys may be even better, you know, in terms of it's a little, a little heavier. Uh, some of it kind of reminded me of the uh, Motley Crue kickstart my heart era. Yeah. But of, of course, this guy's vocally kicks the crap out of Vince Neil. I mean, there's, it's no comparison. Uh, it's really good. So I would just say, check out Garish and the Chronicles uh, out of India. Number one with a bullet. Yeah. On the, uh, on the eighties rock scene. It's, it's really good. You'll enjoy it. So. And now you, they have this cool little um, Gatsy G-A-T-C is there, you know? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Whatever acronym. Is that the right word? Yeah. G-A-T-C, Garish and the Chronicles. Yeah, I was noticing Get-C. that G-A-T-C everywhere. Yeah, but they're, they're really good, man. They are super awesome. Cool. And doggone it, people from work are trying to email me. That's why you keep hearing all these dings and dongs, but I'm ignoring them. So uh, just ignore those. Uh, so anyways, we will try and share with you new artists that we find uh, that, that might be a good fit for fans of classic rock sounds good i'm gonna check these guys out tonight you know you don't get a lot of chances to listen to hard rock bands from india so i wanted to check it out and i was like wow this is this is really good this is really good i'm a big fan of bollywood action movies too have you ever seen any of those just on youtube yeah they're unbelievable (laughs) it's great there it's a it's an experience and so here's the thing you know how over top, over the top, those Bollywood action scenes are. Okay? Yeah, that's what this album's like. I mean, uh, it's like, it's good. It's it's a fun album. Let me just say that it's a fun album. All the musicianship is great, but it literally sounds like it came straight from 1988. I keep saying we're going to start talking about ZZ Top. I got one other thing to say here. First of all, you can email us classicguitarrock at mail.com. Please send your recommendations for albums you'd like us to talk about. But the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, if you would like to be a sponsor, reach out to us. You would be shocked and stunned at how affordable and how little you could spend and be a sponsor on this podcast. Totally. I mean, and I'm not I'm not bragging, but we're up to over 8,000 downloads in the month and a half we've been doing this. So we've got some audience out there. And if, and if you would like to be a sponsor, we would love 
to hear from you. So, you know, shoot yes, us. Yes, we would. And, 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 and you would be shocked and amazed at how affordably you could uh, be a sponsor and, and have us talk about you on the, on the podcast. And of course, there's still Patreon. If you want to be a, a patron of the show, go to patreon.com and that's available too if you'd like to support the podcast that way. Yeah, you want to send me any products, you know, nutritional or something, I'll take it and give you my uh, my, my feelings, my and thoughts. That's a great idea. My reviews. That's a great idea. We will, you can send us, uh, you know, we'll review products, you know, whatever, man. We can, we can sample your guitars, guitars amps, pedals, strings. <laughs> yes. And we could, we could talk about this. That'd be great. Yeah. So, so what are we saying? We're saying we're, we're for sale. Yeah, we're yeah, totally. If Paul Reed Smith wants to send me a, uh, you know, 594 beautiful we'll, metallic gold. We'll try out the new Marshalls, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you got. Uh, but but seriously, if, if you are interested in uh, being a sponsor and would like to do so for a very affordable rate, then uh, reach out to us, classicguitarrock at mail.com. Now, enough yakking. Less yakking, more tracking. I worked at a radio station where we... <laughs> Time to stop yakking and start tracking. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Anyway, did, did you actually do the voice for that? No, I didn't. No, they hired some big guy. You know, you probably could have done it. <laughs> Anyways, when we come back, Jeff, we're going to talk about this phenomenal album from 1973. We're talking ZZ Top's Trace on Grace. All right, welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. And uh, during the break, Jeff and I were talking about a cinematic masterpiece that he highly recommends to everyone. What what show was that you were recommending? Uh, Sharknado. Sharknado, yes. Have you watched <laughs> the whole trilogy, by the way? I mean, there are like four or five Sharknados now, I think. I think I'm managing the second one, but okay. that's it. I stopped after that. <laughs> Too much. If anybody's interested in chainsaws and sharks flying <laughs> through the air, this is a perfect movie for you. I mean, what's not to like about that? I think that's what they were thinking. Okay, so let's talk about ZZ Top. And and before we get into the actual track by track of the album, I think it's important that we, we talk a little bit about ZZ Top. And of course, and I don't mean to dismiss the talents of Frank and Dusty, but Billy is really the magic of ZZ Top. Would you agree with me on that? Yes. Yeah. Although any other drummer, I don't, you know, maybe it wouldn't work. Maybe it and, would. And, it's really hard to say. And, and, okay, they've been together since 1970. Can you yeah. can you think of any other bands that have, I can't think of another band. Now there are bands, I mean, the Rolling Stones technically are still a band, but they've lost members. There've been people in and out, blah, blah, blah. But I cannot think of another band that has been together with the original folks for that long. 51 plus years or 52 years. Well, and here's the thing. Yeah, no other band, I don't think. Well, at least not a rock band. Their last album was 2012. So we're assuming they're still, I've never heard that they broke up, you know, so I'm assuming there's still a going concern. They're still touring or they were as of a year ago, I think. Do you know, I had tickets to ZZ Top. My my family was wanted to go somewhere for spring break. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID, yeah, last year. 
And I said, you know, ZZ Top's playing the Venetian Hotel Casino in Vegas. Perfect. They have a a, a standing three week stint or right, something. There. Yeah, I, said, awesome. oh, I want to go there. I want to go to Vegas, have a vacation, see ZZ Top. You guys go to your spring break thing. My yeah. wife was like, okay. So I got tickets, good tickets. Uh-huh. Just going by myself. Right. And then COVID happened. <sighs> and they obviously canceled it. Yeah. So as of last year, they okay. were certainly and, and, touring. And I was assuming that's still the case, but I just hadn't heard. And of course, that's the situation with so many bands now because none of them can tour. But ZZ yeah. Top is a uh, one of those bands, and they they've always had this this mystique about them, right? Is they've got the whole shtick, you know? They've got the the even their videos. Of course, so many people were first exposed to them in the early eighties with Eliminator. Right. And there's no shame in that. That's a great album. Right. And, and that was the one that really made them a mainstream band. And it's funny that it was about a year before that for me personally, that I started to get into ZZ top. I can remember as like a seventh grader hearing uh, when, when DeGuelo came out, they actually had released, I thank you as the first single off that album. And I can remember hearing that. And so in in the back of my mind, I had heard of this band ZZ Top and I was kind of familiar with them. And then then it was later in 80, 81, my older brother was playing in a band and they played played Waiting for the Bus and they played Cheap Sunglasses. And so that was another intro to ZZ Top. And, And I can remember my brother in about 82, bought DeGuelo. And I, by the way, have stolen all of my brother's records over the years. I don't think he even realizes that I have pretty much all the records he ever bought. But so DeGuelo was the one he brought home first. And then I, shortly after that, bought Trace Hombres. And then then it was just a few months later that Eliminator came out. And then, you know, then everyone knew about ZZ Top. But they've always had this kind of crazy tall tale texas image which is fun and their songs a lot of funny songs a lot of double entendres you know that's just kind of their their shtick and i i did hear one interesting thing they had the big worldwide texas tour yes like 77 and that was the tour where they had like live cattle and chickens on stage (laughs) i also i heard they had um vultures vultures (laughs) they had rattlesnakes oh it was and and back then they were back then they were cowboys okay they'd wear they wear the gaudy rhinestone suits like you'd see porter wagner wear and big cowboy hats. And yeah, I think I think they became famous in in Texas. Oh right? yeah, big time before obviously the main mainstream. Yeah, but you were listening to them earlier than you were listening to the earlier stuff. At least you know before me, I went right from puberty to heavy metal. I think yeah, or hair yeah. metal. Yeah, and Eliminator was obviously the first thing as well for me that because was- of MTV, which is I always say, but you know. And then you go backwards, right? And I think that was the case with a lot of folks yeah. that went backwards, but they were just they're just funny. But here was the thing. After the worldwide Texas tour, and that was the how would you say it? Te- Tejas. It's like the Texas Tejas. After the Tejas album, which was not a really successful album, but the tour was very successful. So they're out touring that, promoting that album with the worldwide Texas tour. 
And then they planned to take like three months off or something. The plan was three months. Well, three months turned into like two years. Mm -hmm. So I think Billy Gibbons had gone to Europe and Frank had gone to Jamaica and Dusty Hill had gone to Mexico. And so they just went their separate ways because they had been touring nonstop for like seven years. And then when they got back together, unbeknownst to each other, Billy and Dusty both had grown the long beards. So they they did that independently, not knowing that the other one was growing a long beard. For real? Yeah. Yeah. So when they get together after two years, they both have long beards. Dusty. Uh, that's kind of funny. And Frank Beard, of course, is the only member that doesn't have a beard. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes he does, but usually he just got a mustache. Now I think he might have a goatee. He got new teeth, by the way. I don't know if you guys have noticed that in recent years. Oh, he got brand new teeth. He looks good. But uh, <laughs> he was the only one that didn't have a beard. So I thought well, that was funny. And at one point, at the height of their popularity, so this is eliminator to afterburner phase, 84, 85, around there, Gillette was offering them, like, you know, as a publicity thing, they were going to pay him like a million dollars to shave off their beards as part of an ad campaign or something. I was just listening to um, the drummer of the Black Crows, mm -hmm. Steve Gorman, I believe, <clears throat> tell a story when they got kicked off the ZZ Top tour when they were when Black Crows were just on their ascent. Yeah, um, it was like sponsored by Miller Lite, and mm -hmm. and Chris Robinson was you know basically he got in trouble with something he didn't really intentionally say, and then he reacted in a way where basically <laughs> it was like them against corporate sponsorship. Exactly. So it's funny that you're mentioning this story about yeah. <laughs> Gillette asking them to shave their beards. Hey, and let's just say ZZ Top, they're capitalists. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but yeah, well, I've read the story about the Black Crows incident. On I'm sure we're going to get into it, but somehow they have remained cool, even though they're spinning their guitars, you know, with white fur and they've got sponsors. I, I think it's just the music speaks for itself. I, I think the music say. and and it's a whole vibe of it's a carefully crafted persona, right? Is they're they're almost like cartoon characters. I mean, mm -hmm. think about their videos, all those videos on MTV where it's the it's the same three cool guys, you know, yep. come from out of nowhere in a hot rod, and that hot rod is actually Billy Gibbons, Coop. They all come out of nowhere. They're just kind of these characters that observe the various stories happening in the videos and, 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 and they have a way of, I, I think of like Texas tall tales, you know, that's really what a lot of these songs are. And when we talk about the songs on this album, we'll get into that. But the history of the band is, is unique because uh, Dusty and Frank were from Dallas so they were in Dallas in a couple different bands, I think. Uh, a blues band or something. Blues yeah. bands. American Blues was the band that they were in. And they had each been in bands previous to that around Texas. But they were in this group, American Blues. And it was actually Frank that teamed up with Billy first. And they were had another guy who was the bass player. In fact, when I saw this guy's name, it was Lanier Gregg or something. He was the original bass player. And I remember seeing things online years ago by this Lanier Greg guy who claimed he was, he was the re originator of ZZ Top. And I think it's just an old guy 
he died in 2014, but, but I think at the time it was just a guy trying to get credit for something that he was, he was very uh, briefly the bass player with Billy Gibbons. <laughs> was that in, was that in uh, moving sidewalks? Uh, no, that was, that was in uh, something else. It was, it was when, I don't know if they were calling themselves ZZ top, but Billy and Frank had gotten together. were forming this new band and this Lanier Greg guy was the bass player. I don't know if they were calling themselves ZZ Top, but it was definitely after the moving sidewalks. And anyways, when he left, Frank, who had been playing with Dusty in American Blues, said, hey, come and join me and Billy. And he did. And that was 1969 or 70. They played their first gig in an American Legion Hall in 1970. Yeah, I saw. And then uh, by when was the first album? 71. Yeah, I think ZZ Top's first album was 71. And the rest is is history. And should we mention the name where they got the idea for the name? Yeah, you know about that. Tell us. According to legend, <laughs> and that and that's the thing about ZZ Top. Everything is wrapped in legend and tall tales, and so you never quite know what to believe. And right. it's usually wrapped around food and drink and rattlesnakes. Yeah, and totally. D- dusty, you know, bowls of yeah. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Apparently, you know, one of Billy's heroes is B.B. King and this other uh, guy, ZZ Hill. Yeah, ZZ Hill. So they were going to call themselves ZZ King, and they thought that was kind of weird. Well, King King is kind of on top right. of the hierarchy right, of power. So they said ZZ Top. ZZ Top. Stuck. So what a cool way. Like, yeah, that worked. Right from the beginning, they had it, you know? And I heard a, another story. I heard the uh, the BBZZ thing before. But then another story that I've heard is that they got the top from the name of a cigarette paper was something called top something. Oh. So that's where they got the top from. So that's a slightly different story. And then, and then and here's the thing about ZZ Top. Billy Gibbons is like Rick Nielsen of cheap trick. He'll just lie. Okay. So they'll ask him in an interview, something, and he'll tell you a story. And in another interview, he'll tell a completely different story. (laughs) So just kind of promote the mystique. I don't mean lying in a, you know, a bad way, but just kind of to promote the whole mystique, you might hear the story different every single time. Here's the thing about Billy, by the way, have you ever listened to that radio show coast to coast AM that's on late at night where they talk about UFOs and time travel and Bigfoot and stuff? Uh, I don't think so. Uh-uh. So, uh, and, and that show kind of sucks now, but it used to be really good. And now all they talk about is like herbal supplements. So it sucks, but it used to be good. <laughs> I mean, it was UFO. It was Bigfoot. It was ghosts. It was cool. <laughs> and I heard ZZ, I heard uh, Billy Gibbons on the show one night. And Billy Gibbons, first of all, his voice is really low. He talks really low, but he is super smart. Yeah. I mean, very intelligent. And when he talks, he's like, he just uses these big words and he's like, wow, this guy's really smart. He, he, but I don't, I don't remember where I was going with this point. My point is that he is a, he's a storyteller, right? He's a conversationalist. He's, you know, a humorist. And I think a lot of that bleeds in to what they do. So, yeah, absolutely. I had no idea that they opened up, not ZZ, but Billy's other band for Hendrix. Yes. The moving sidewalks. Moving the psychedelic Texas band. Yeah. Psychedelic 
Texas band. And at one point, uh, you might have the quote here, Jimi Hendrix said that Billy Gibbons was the best, I don't remember the exact words, but he called him the best new guitar player yeah. on the scene or something. Yeah. Uh, like holy and, moly, right? Yeah. I mean, this is Hendrix. And it's funny if you go back, you know, what's fun is go on Spotify and go back and listen to the moving sidewalks. You can totally tell it's Billy singing, right? But the music is you know, it's psychedelic. I mean, that organ. Uh, yeah, a lot of organ, uh, but but it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And if you see like, yeah, it is pretty cool. ZZ Top live in Texas, they play, uh, ZZ Top plays Voodoo Child. It's pretty cool. I mean, they do a, they do a Hendrix cover on that. It's. Oh, nice. Cool. So, so they were, you know, I don't, I don't want to say they were like best friends, but they opened a couple times with Hendrix and, and Billy and Jimmy knew each other and stuff. So it's pretty cool. I, I think if I'm remembering right, Billy Gibbons dad was a preacher, I think. Am I remembering that right? Maybe I'm getting confused. You know, I don't know, but it's the Reverend Billy Gibbons. I, I, he's maybe, the maybe Reverend, that has something to do with it. Reverend Willie G. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and, and you notice on this album, by the way, and this is Texas, right? These guys grew up in Texas. So this is, that's the Bible belt, right? So this album has, you know, have you heard? Mm-hmm. And that's a gospel song. Mm-hmm. That's a full on gospel song. So it, it, it makes sense. You know, Billy had, I think, was exposed to music a lot as a kid, really into blues and loved to listen to blues albums. And they both, in fact, later on, I think it's on the El Loco album. I heard it on the X, that song. I heard it on the X. That's about the radio station. Now, guys, what would happen back in the 50s and 60s is in the U.S., AM stations are capped at 50,000 watts, okay? There's what they call clear channel stations, not not the network clear channel. That's where clear channel got their name. No, it's not the network. That's where (laughs) clear channel got their name, though. What the original, this is, I'm drawing on my background in broadcasting, okay? The original, what they call clear channel AM stations, and there were only a handful of them in the U.S. KOA in Denver, is a clear channel station, 50,000 watt blowtorch, right? There was KGO in San Francisco. There was, I think, uh, WKY in Oklahoma. But across the country, there were a handful of what these, what they called the clear channel, 50,000 watt AM stations. Now a 50,000 watt AM station has a killer signal at night. So for instance, my folks who grew up in Western Montana, at night would hear music from Oklahoma city, which is 1500 miles away. Wow. Right. Yeah. So, so the point I'm getting at is you could go South of the Rio Grande and put a radio station up. And in Mexico, you could go a hundred thousand Watts AM, not FM. This is AM, which is, if you get in the whole technology, the AM signals traveled, a hundred thousand watt radio station, guys in Vietnam, okay, soldiers in Vietnam at night could pick up music from these stations in Mexico. Okay. Wow. That's how big the signal was. So when you hear the song, I heard it on the X, they're talking about this radio station, this pirate radio station that was just south of the border broadcasting to the US, right? And the point is, this station would play country, 
they'd play blues, they'd play raw, they played every kind of music. And that's what those guys kind of grew up hearing, you know, and that was the yeah. good old days before iHeart, Clear Channel became iHeart, and now radio kind of sucks. But yeah, in that day, you had some of these pioneers, and and that's what they grew up listening. They'd hear gospel songs, and they'd hear psychedelic songs and country songs all on this same station. And I heard that the commercials on on these stations were just what you would expect, like you know, like driving down some dirt, dusty road in Mexico and yeah. they're selling, they're selling like some baby Jesus or yeah. they're selling some other weird thing. Like, yeah, not exactly. weird, not weird, like to be, you know, put down, but just something, something you wouldn't you find. Wouldn't yeah. I know. And, That's and, awesome. and you wouldn't, and they're that, you know, to advertise on the radio stations, to hear those great. things. I That's thought that great. was funny. And so here's, here's uh in Oklahoma, I grew up in Oklahoma and at late at night, same thing. I'd listen to WLS from Chicago, right? Big AM WLS, another big clear channel station. There were only, I, I, I don't know, maybe 50 in the whole country, probably not that many, 30 in the whole US, I don't remember. And that was the thing. They were limited at 50,000 watts where you could go just south of the border and go 100,000 and literally broadcast to the whole world at night. So so is the, is the issue that if, um, if, if everyone had a 50,000 watt, channel that they'd get they'd bump into each they'd other bump, yeah that's the whole thing so if you'd get a so we had one here we still have one in here in spokane 1510 kga is the it's the frequency i don't even know what their format is now but yeah that was the whole point is if, if there's one 1510 over here then you couldn't have another one i don't know if that meant in the whole country or it had to be unclear on the other side of the country but huh technologically speaking, AM and FM are a lot different. And, and sometimes on an FM, you'd get what they call a skip. So I worked at a radio station. We were 98.1 FM. And I got a call from a guy. So this is Oklahoma. I get a call from a guy in Mississippi one morning. And he says, hey, I just wanted to give you a call. We have a local station here at 98.1. And they're off the air. And, and I could hear you clear down here. And this was a hundred thousand watt FM, which is as big as you can get for an FM, but those are more common. There's lots of hundred thousand watt FMs, but even with FM, uh, FM is based on line of sight, right? You have to have a direct line of sight. So I guess Oklahoma was flat enough or whatever that he was actually picking up because there wasn't a closer signal from 98.1. He was picking me up clear up in Oklahoma and he's way down in Mississippi hearing us. And it was only for like half an hour. Then there, the closer station came back up and that, sorry, I didn't mean to digress into that whole nerdy conversation about AM and FM signals, but it's, it's interesting the way that works out. So love it all, man. You know, okay. audio, audio music audio. is, is all hurts, right? Frequencies. And, and there's something magical. It's the same way with vinyl, Jeff. There's something magical about you put a record on a turntable and you hear the little crackle, mm -hmm. right? It's, you hear a song on the radio and it sounds better than listening on a CD, right? I mean, technically sound quality, it doesn't, but you hear the little crackle and the static. I don't know. There's just something about that electricity. So that's sure. what sucked me into radio because I was grew up as a kid listening to these AM stations late at night. And I just thought it would be really cool to get into that. So 
Let's talk about Trace Ombres. Man, I told you, I don't mean to be a, a spoiler, but this is one of my top five albums of all time. So I'm just going to throw that there out of the gate. I think it's a, a brilliant album and everyone should own it. And if this is not one of your favorite albums, you're crazy. I'll just. <laughs> <laughs> so every song too. every right? song is every uh, song. I mean, remember last week, the humble pie, we're giving them, we're rating them with guitar picks. Mm-hmm. We had some that we gave four guitar picks. I think a couple might've got five. Some got two guitar, you know, and again, spoiler alert, but I think all, but maybe one song on this album, I would give five guitar picks across the board. And the one that I don't give five, I'd probably give four. So four and a half, four and a half. (laughs) It's that, it's that solid an album. So really quick, before we even start to break down the tracks, this was recorded in or released July 26th of 1973. Mm-hmm. It was recorded at Ardent Studios. We could do a whole show just on Ardent Studios. They've had like 80 platinum albums that were recorded there. And this Terry Manning guy who was, I think, responsible for the mix. You see Terry Manning's name everywhere. Every yes. genre. This is a guy that has been affiliated with uh, you could probably just about any band you name it. I mean, ACDC, I think he's, I mean, it, it's ridiculous. He's on I think so many records. I think I've read he was mixing or he mixed Led Zeppelin three. Oh yeah. And Billy at that, that time was, was, you know, a fan, I guess of that album. So yes. Yeah. And, and he's a, if you see Terry Manning, I mean, th- this guy is record production royalty, you know, and he's involved in ardent studios so yeah. that, that's something we could talk about in a, in a later show. But just understand that this album, Bill Ham is the producer. And Bill Ham had a long relationship with ZZ Top. He, he's from Texas himself and uh, just a, a long relationship with him. But the album itself, you know, it's just that green album cover. And the pictures are just kind of these random pictures. You know, I always thought it was kind of weird. I mean, you got a picture on the left, which is dusty and it's just him from behind. Mm-hmm. They're kind of washed out pictures. And then in the middle, it looks like Billy is climbing a telephone pole or something. I don't know what that is. And then you got this picture of Frank who's just sitting up on top of this rock archway. Uh-huh. It looks like, but the best part of this album cover is the gatefold. You yeah. open it up and it's got this, delicious yes messy looking dinner several plates at a mexican restaurant i mean there's cheese spread all over the there's leo's leo's was the restaurant oh that's right leo's for like 2.99 i think oh that's what you get it it looks so good i mean i used to just sit (laughs) with that album and just look at that that uh you know, a lot of people would look at the girl. There's a picture of a girl there on the table, you know, just okay. a little. <laughs> not me. I'm looking at the enchiladas, dude. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> it just looked really good. Yeah, it's a, it's just a good album. And that's a, it's an appropriate uh, gatefold because it, I don't know, it just kind of encapsulates what ZZ Top sounds like. You know, it's a good time. 
and and as delicious I think, and gritty delicious yes there i like it yeah um <laughs> beefy yes it's good and and I, as i think about it there's lots of references to food across their career you know their later album has that song poke chop sandwich okay and there's there's tv dinners there's a uh-huh. burger man i'm just thinking off the top of my head all this all the songs they have that are about food and uh, it's just it's just funny so let's just jump into this let's jump into this one one tall tale i've heard again this is coming from billy gibbons so can you believe it is it true or whatever I've heard everything from the fact that that he doesn't use regular guitar picks, that he uses a Mexican peso that's been filed down, so a metal pick. I don't know if that's true. Right? I've heard the same things. I, f- I found a quote, actually, from uh, somebody, Kevin Drum, in an interview with Pitchfork. Billy Gibbons' guitar sound isn't the way it is because he uses a quarter as a pick or anything as simple as that. It's because he's in touch with a different sector of the cosmos that we know nothing about. <laughs> and I thought, yes. Yeah, right? that makes sense. That explains why they just appear from out of thin air on the <laughs> But yeah, I've heard that too. I think I've tried using a quarter before. Uh, I've tried a penny and I'm like, oh, that's just, no. yeah, I can't do it. And, and I won't say he's the first one to do it, but the pinch harmonics are uh, very prominent on this album. And I can't remember if on the first two albums we hear that as much, but it's all over on this album, especially, you know, LaGrange is the pinch harmonic song you think of. I've also heard, again, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that he always recorded on little amps like champs, like little amps, little speakers. And and he said that I found that miking up a little amp would give me a bigger sound. And I don't know if that's true. I've also read that he used a lot of early old tweed fenders. One thing that is great about this album in this time, this is 1973, man, you can almost smell the tubes burning on this album. Don't you, don't you hear that sound? It's just a super warm you can tell, I mean, he's, I don't think he's using fuzz pedals or anything. I think this is dime. I don't think, yeah, I think he did Damn. later on, I'm still, but, I, but, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think he, he's known for using tweeds. Yeah. But then also uh, I've heard quotes from him saying he had his 59 Les Paul pearly gates or whatever mm-hmm. and a Marshall 100 yeah. watt. So yeah. it's hard to know. And there are songs where I thought he was using a Les Paul and it turns out he's using a Strat. Exactly. Especially on DeGuelo. DeGuelo has Strats all over it, but you always think of him playing a Les Paul, right? Yeah. Uh And I'm envisioning, I'm assuming this album is a Les Paul through an old Fender tweed, you know, but I, but I don't know for sure. Again, that's part of the, part of the mystique. You don't know. We'll get to Uh, LaGrange. Yeah. It's, it's great. So, okay. I don't think it's a Les Paul. This is going really well. Good point. Okay. But we'll uh, see. And also one of the uh, songs, I think it's uh, Precious and Grace, where you got this uh, really twangy slide part where I don't think that's a Les Paul either. But anyways, we'll, we'll get to that. So it starts with Waiting for the Bus. And that I, I, is just a gritty awesome the the guitar sound is great it's 
I don't know what to say. It's a great song. This is probably the first ZZ Top song I was familiar with because my brother was playing it in the band he was in. And I, and I love it. And contrary to what I said last week about harmonicas, this has a harmonica in it. And I'm okay with it. Sounds great. <laughs> but this is just a great song. Your thoughts on this song? Anything jump out at you on this song? First, I do want to say this album um, was a big success for the band, oh, right? At totally. this point, they hadn't had, you know, something, I think, that charted. Mm -hmm. um, so this was like, you know, at, at that time, this was, a, this was big for them. I think it got to eight on the top 200. I yeah. What I saw. Yeah. yeah. So a very, yeah, very successful album for them. And we've talked in the past about Friday night videos mm -hmm. before MTV and radio stations that would do two for Tuesday. And I think I've heard this song with the next one coming up back to back <laughs> because, but I didn't really know it was ZZ Top perhaps mm -hmm. way back right. because of these twofers. Right. So they would always play waiting for the bus into Jesus, right? Yeah. It just goes right in. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God. And now I listen to it and it's, it's just perfect. And it has to go together. If you yeah. are waiting for the bus, that stop comes and if, because I've heard it happen a couple times and then they go into another song and I'm like, very upset. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Take they, your shuffle off. They, that's right. They, that's right. It goes, <laughs> it, it's meant to go together. And here's another one of those tall tales, right? So the story that gets bandied about is, oh, well, that was an accident. It, they weren't, they weren't supposed to play right after the other. There's supposed to be a big pause between that because they're separate songs. But Terry Manning says, no, it was always designed to go right into Jesus just left Chicago, just like it does, you know? And it's like, it was easy for a twofer, right? Because it didn't take any work. Here's two songs right here that go together. And you're right. You just, they go together. They have to go together. Like um, Zeppelin's Heartbreaker into Living, it, Loving, Made. Yeah, you can't separate those two. Perfect. Even though they're two technically two separate songs, they go together. And and it's it's a crime, I think, punishable by a prison term <laughs> if you don't keep them together. So that's awesome. My um my I love the drums in this song. Oh yeah. I love the simple uh it's like snare kick with that yeah i had kind of clothes i just it's just so like i don't know it's minimal but it, it it works so well with that riff well and i i as many I, of their beats and rhythms do had i actually had a published review of this album on the internet at one point i don't know if it's still out there no way uh, but the term i used is the solos are beefy the lyrics are briefy you know, that's what is, is, and that's the way it is, right? Is it's like, you get the impression with these songs that let's get through the lyrics so Billy can play his solo, you know? And then, and it's just, it's so good. And this has so many of the ZZ Top elements right in it, a key change, right? And that's something that Billy does a lot is you get to the solo, let's change keys, then let's change keys again. You yeah. know, he just does a lot of that. And again, we, we tend to, heap all the praise on Billy, but he couldn't do all those things without the rhythm section that he has in Dusty and, and Frank. So, and this song is, it's, it's just a really cool song and, and fun. They always, this tongue in cheek, you know, I just picture these three 
old cowboys singing about waiting for the bus and it just makes me laugh i mean the whole thing is just yeah he also his, his delivery you know just his quality of his voice he was like 20 he could sing anything he was like really make it sound good he's like 25 at this time and he sounds yeah. like he's 70 you know back then you know it's like it's just it's crazy but he's got yeah. the mojo man he's got that's what it is it's he's mojo. got the mojo he's got mojo that's exactly what it his is. songwriting his lyrics his voice and of course his guitar playing yeah it's his sound his tone his slide and he plays harmonica he's it, the one who was playing harmonica oh, right? i did not know that i thought so i i feel like i read that you know what now that you mention that i think i've seen video of him playing harmonica on something i can't remember but just a, a a great song i mean it's just it's got the swag I, I swagger okay that's the word i think of and here's the thing about billy and you've probably noticed this he's one of the most economical guitar players you will ever see you can watch him and his hands jeff's watching me move my hands you guys aren't seeing this but his his hands will like he's playing a whole solo and his hands won't move more than a fret or two. The whole song. You're like, how's he doing that? I mean, he's just very economical. And even though he sounds monstrous from what I hear has a super light touch and uses like eight sevens, seven gauge strings. I've heard he uses. Can you, I've heard. No, I could not. Oh, I play. Do you use tens? I use tens. I use tens to forty eights. Yeah, I used to forty six. So, but I, I can't yeah. imagine. I can't, especially. He, he seems like he has big hands too, or he yeah. looks like he does. He's a tall guy. Yeah. So even with, with big hands, I. But you know, hey, it uh, works. You could probably bend so easy without oh totally. any effort. And and that's what it looks like when you watch him. Is it looks so effortless? He's barely moving. You know, the chords he plays, we think about him as a lead player, but his chord playing is is brilliant. And oftentimes it's it's two strings, right? It's just these very economical, a perfect example, and I know this because I had to learn it, right? But, but like Sharp Dressed Man and, and Give Me All Your Lovin', those revolve around chords that are two, two string chords, right? Just mm-hmm. manipulating your fingers a little bit with tons of gain on those songs, but it's just a, it's a lesson in economic playing. He does not waste any motion, any energy. And that's kind of his whole persona, right? It's like, let's, let's put, let's, let's be as laid back as we can be in everything that we do. And that's, and it's, it's almost the dichotomy of it laid back as it could be, but yet it's badass. Oh, it's right. Like, yes. And he plays a lot of those um, octave kind of things, mm-hmm. but he hits the open G with, yeah. you know, the fifth and the flatted third. David Gris- Grissom, he kind of has a similar thing mm. um, when it comes to sort of pl- picking those octaves and open G with, you know. And gra- grabbing things with the with his middle finger, you know. Yeah, the hybrid thing. Yeah, hybrid stuff, yeah. Cheap sunglasses. Cheap sunglasses, perfect example. And even like, well, we'll get to it, but in Lagrange, the turnaround in Lagrange, kind of the same type, the same type of thing where he's doing it's it's really good. So, Jesus just left Chicago. Five guitar picks for waiting for the bus. Okay, I give that a five. It's a five. Cinco. Okay, cinco. <laughs> and then Jesus just left Chicago. 
again, you get the, you got the kind of the humor element, right? But also, you know, I think these guys are, are legitimately, this is, could be called a gospel song. You know, I, I think they're legitimately, this is, you know, dusty shouting, you know, take me with you, Jesus. You know, it's the whole, it's like a, it's like a spiritual uh, gospel song. And I don't think they mean it in a disrespectful way. Right. It's just a, a blues tune with the greasiest guitar solo ever that dissonant little browner. I don't even know how he does it. It's just, it's awesome. It's just a brilliant, brilliant song just all the way, all the way around. You ever have the ACDC album, uh, dirty deeds. Mm-hmm. Okay. So remember that song, ride on. I'm going to ride on the slow, right? Was he slow? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the music, see, I was familiar with that. And I can remember when I heard Jesus just left Chicago, I'm like, well, this is just ride on by ACDC. Cause it's that same chord progression. So it, it's a basic kind of blues, slow blues progression, but just the gnarliest guitar tone and gnarliest solo five guitar picks all the way five guitar picks way up yeah one thing i want to quickly say is i remember reading an article about um the first album and how um it was at robin robin hood studios i believe in texas Uh uh-huh and uh ham the producer was there and uh i think the uh, engineer was like, I'm not, I'm not getting the sound I want to get, you know, how about we double some guitar tracks? And Billy was like, no overdubs, no overdubs. Wow. But then he got, then he was convinced he got, he got talked into doing that and adding kind of a second guitar track, right? Maybe different sound or maybe even like, you know, whatever, changing it up. Mm-hmm. And now that I know that, and I listen back to like this album and all their other albums if you really with headphones, man, one guitar might be raunchier and more distorted in the left channel. And then the right it's there, but it's not that distorted or it's doing different things. Yeah. And very and intricate, but really cool, cool layering going on. It's funny. You said that. Cause I was thinking the same thing is it's very, it's not there. They compliment. So usually it's not dramatically different and that's what you got to listen. So cl- you hear it on waiting for the bus, for instance, there's at least two guitars in there. And, and I would say overdubbing now is like, even on Eliminator, give me all your loving is a perfect example. You can distinctly hear two or three different guitars doing subtly different things. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that going on and uh, he's a master at that. It's great. Yeah. Five uh, picks. Five picks for sure. Okay. Next up we have, is that beer drink? Yeah. Beer drinkers mm-hmm. and Hellraisers. Badass. It's just remade by Motorhead, by the way. Is that Uh, right? Oh, yeah. And there's you can find live recordings of Van Halen playing this song, too, which is pretty. I've heard that. I've heard that. Pretty awesome. Uh, Billy Gibbons. Eddie Eddie was a big fan of Billy Gibbons. Yeah, really liked him. Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers, again, the lyrics. I still can't understand all of what they say in the song, but I know it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I like the call and response kind of thing. Exactly. Yes. And Dusty's voice in this is so great. Here's, here's the thing. I think Dusty's the way better singer of the two. 
when he sinks, he can get way up high. He's got more range, but it's just not ZZ Top without Billy. I mean, there's some Tush is dusty, right? There's some exceptions, but when you think of ZZ Top, you think of Billy, even though Dusty's a phenomenal singer, you know? And yeah, the call and response is is awesome. And I think this is the first time. No, that's not true because Dusty's playing, uh, singing kind of a harmony part on Waiting for the Bus. I was going to say, this might be the first time we really hear Dusty sing, but it's not because he's on there. But yeah, uh, Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers, awesome song, awesome solo. I love the stops in this song where they do the, they, they're, you know, they do the little thing, there's stops. Oh, it's just, everything is so tight throughout, on the, throughout the whole album. I mean, I'm, we're going to be redundant talking about all of these songs, but yeah, uh, I, sure. I five five picks for beer drinkers and hellraisers for me. What about you, beer drinkers and hellraisers? That's a five picker, right? Would you say that's five picks? Yes, that's okay. definitely a okay. cinco. So we're in agreement. We've given it cinco Just, for all of them so far, right? Did you have anything else on beer drinkers you wanted to mention? Um, I just love the 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 rhythm of the you know dun gun 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 it's so driving and yeah yeah and again, and again to your point two guitars you can listen to the two guitars oh, yeah slightly different yeah there's even one that's i think it's in the right that's almost chimey there's barely gain much gain on it at all another thing with the drums i'm just listening to it again here uh-huh. frank frank's just like you know, and Billy gunk 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 gunk. It's really heavy. It's a really heavy sound. It's very good. I have to talk about track four, Master Sparks. One of the greatest backstories ever. I think this is this is the coolest song ever written. I really do. It is just if you were going to come up, this is why I talk about the cartoon characters, right? This is just the craziest song the craziest story is it true is it a true story apparently it's true so tell us the story at this point it would be kind of lame for it not to be but you know right like meaning like he would have corrected himself i would have thought exactly along the way and and i don't want to be a spoiler because it took me years to actually pay attention to the lyrics and know what was going on but do you want to share the story or do you want me to well i don't mind because i actually just recently learned about it but you sound like such a fan that i feel like you you should you should do it well i love it all all i was more now and you flesh it out if i miss something because maybe i'm missing something here but the story of master sparks you know high class slim came rolling in down from the county line you know it's a story of a guy and I don't know if it's first person. I don't know if this happened to Billy. I don't know, but high class slim comes rolling down and in the back of his truck, he's got this big iron ball that he made a big cage. And he wants this, he wants someone to get inside the cage. So it has an airplane can, seat inside. Yeah. It has this airplane seat inside and they want to, they want to push this cage off a moving truck. Right. Sounds like a good thing to do. Why not? You know, I had some friends who thought it would be a good idea to pull each other behind their truck in a fishing boat. <laughs> I mean, literally the boat sitting down on the pavement with spark that didn't turn out well, but this, and that's what the story is about. They come in and convince this guy to get inside this steel cage. They <laughs> we were out in the sticks on highway six. Uh, I can't remember all the words, but the speed was just about right. So 
60 uh, miles an hour or something. Yeah, I was too. And out I flew like a stick of rolling dynamite, right? So you just envision a guy <laughs> sitting inside this steel cage rolling down the highway at 60 miles an hour with sparks flying all over, hence the name Master Sparks. I thought, wasn't it Billy in the chair? Well, that's what I've heard. He he, he survived, so he they called him the Master. Master of Sp- I don't know. And I don't know if it's true. That's, again, tall tales. But it is... It is the coolest song ever. And what is that whistly sound? That whole, the whole song of, it's like, I don't, I try to figure out the whole vibe of that song. And I don't know what is making that kind of halt. You know, the sound I'm talking about during the whole song or just a a chorus or during the verse, there's kind of a, a hollow whistly whiny sound that sounds like more than just coming from the guitar so and during the during the dun, 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 dun. once the singing starts oh oh oh, oh yes 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 i got it yes yeah that, uh, i actually have that down as a note yeah what um is, i feel like it's a I, I feel like it's a slide okay is it, and it's and it's got some kind of obviously funky or just cool reverb with some yeah. eqing going on it's kind of a haunting little yeah and i don't know that this is a song they've done live i've never seen a live version but this is my my favorite ZZ Top song of all time. And I think maybe the coolest song of all time. It's just cool. It's a cool song. So cool. The character in the song, I think he he, he dies at the end. That's what I'm thinking is I've, I, I found that the master of sparks is God. The total spoiler. Okay, we've just spoiled it for everyone. But, it, but he learns at the end that the master of sparks is God. And then the song ends, then it's over. Oh, God? I th- I thought that's what he said. Oh, Sparks. I thought he died. But what I meant is either way, if it's either Master of Sparks is gone, is mm. that what you thought it said? Mm-hmm. At the end, the Master of Sparks, because I've heard it both ways. Either way, to me, it sounds like he died at the end. Either it's the Master of Sparks is gone, okay, or the Master of Sparks is God, because I know because I'm standing in front of him. <laughs> right. So either way, it sounds like the character dies at the end. But anyways, it's, uh, it's you got to listen to it. It's a great song. You know, I think uh, as a supplement to the classic uh, guitar rock podcast is we can meet up somewhere after seeing ZZ Top in the <laughs> desert of Nevada in Vegas. And we'll let's get some. We'll get a apparatus and, we'll, and a pickup truck and yeah. I'll, I'll volunteer. Okay. Awesome. You can be the master. And if I survive, you could go next if you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we'll record it. It's awesome. And it'll be our first video podcast on Spotify. Perfect. Maybe you could do it live. Yeah. You could be in the chair. Yes. Mic'd up. Oh, I like that. Twitch or whatever they do these That's days, these kids. That would be awesome. <laughs> okay. Now, five, if I could give it 10 picks, I would. It's a great, great song. And then the next one, and again, this is a great song, but I got to say, if if there was a song that I wasn't going to give five stars, there's this one and one other, but I still got to give this like 4.9. <laughs> uh, Hot, Blue, and Righteous, another slow blues. Kind of a waltz, yeah? And a waltz, yeah. And well, the six, singing, eight time. The singing is great. Okay, that's uh, the harmonies there. You get them both singing, very soulful. I think the title alone, hot, hot, blue, and righteous. And righteous, yeah. It's a great, it's a great song. 
the only reason I would give it a 4.9 is on any other album, I'd probably give it five, but just in comparison to how solid everything else is just by, I got to delineate somehow. That's why I give it a 4.9, but still an excellent song. What do you think? I agree with you. I also, I like contrasts. Yeah. So for me, when I hear Billy's voice in this, I think, wow, he, he's pretty versatile. Soulful. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, to sing, to sing this, even though he's got this sort of like raspy, deep kind of like just really unique sound, he can pull this off, which for that alone, I thought was worth keeping it a five. It's a, it's a pretty song, right? When you hear it, it's pretty. The guitar playing is pretty. It's a blues song, but but a beautiful blues song, and it's a great song. You you can give it five. I'm a bigger jerk than you are. That's why I'm giving it a four point nine. <laughs> no, no. Come so on now. okay, now we move to side two, and this for the longest time was my favorite song on the album. Master of Sparks pushed it out of place once I kind of figured out the story of Master Sparks. But the first track on side two is "Move Me On Down the Line." which is a major pentatonic, you know, it has more of a country-ish feel. Mm -hmm. Uh, A nice, that's one of the first things I learned. It's a little droney, you know, you go from a, from a B chord to an E chord, but you keep holding the, the B note on the sixth string. So it gets kind of a droney B sound. Just a great song at slide, the great slide plane. Billy's got great slide plane throughout, but this is the song to me. That's kind of the slide masterpiece on the album, but just very up tempo uh, major. You hear him, you know, major pentatonic solo versus his normal minor pentatonic solo. Yes. Excellent song. Great little riff. There's a little riff, riff in there before the chorus. I yeah. think. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Ba-da-da-da-da-da. And it's, it's a good one. And then the whole, the little slide figure, you can play it without a slide, but it sounds better with the slide, you know, uh, under the verse is really cool. It's just really, really cool. Five picks for move me on down the line. Are you okay with that? You give it five. You give me. I'm going to go four and a half. Okay. All right. I don't know. That's all right. No, that's good. But our next track for for some reason, Precious and Grace is the cousin to Master of Sparks. I had that down too. It's another story song out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Different kind of sparks flying. <laughs> You're but, in a vehicle. Uh, yeah, in a vehicle, right? Precious and Grace are two lady friends. Uh, hitchhikers. Hitchhikers, <laughs> So this is another Texas tall tale. <laughs> Again, is it true? I don't know. But it's uh, this solo, it's slide and it's got this, it's it's almost like, a, you know, when you think of the old Dobro or National Steel guitars, it's got a real slinky, twangy, rattly, like it's about to fall apart vibe mm. going on that just sounds really good. And, yeah. and, and again, these, these are just beefy guitar licks. Oh, oh, it's a great song. I read that um, besides Hendrix, uh, Almond Brothers was a band that, that uh, I think it was the Moving Sidewalks opened for. And Billy was, you know, really taken back by uh, Dwayne. I bet. And one of yeah. the things I read was that 
he he decided to like play less notes and play more tastier notes. Okay, good lesson. According yeah. to, you know, someone. And you know what? <laughs> and then this slide in this song kind of reminds me a little of the Dwayne thing. I I can totally see that. Yeah. And so. I think if you were going to sum up Billy's style, it would be, I mean, he's not known for playing fast licks, really. It would be just what you said. I'm going to play less notes and just play notes that count, right? And I think that's that's what he does, you know? Like yes. That's what he does. Almost better than anybody. The okay. drums in this Precious and Grace, I love. Oh, phenomenal. I love the kick. There's a pattern. There's a, the kick drum rhythm is, is great. You're much better at listening to drums than I am. Because I, I will hear the drums, but I'm usually listening to other things. So I appreciate your picking those up on the drums. So yes. Precious and Grace, five. That's a fiver to me. Same and then... LaGrange, it's a five. It's a masterpiece. Not my favorite on the album, but clearly that's the one that has had the biggest impact from the album, I think. Sure. Uh, to the point that, I mean, people that aren't rock fans at all know LaGrange, but it's just, again, we talked about the pinch harmonics. You said something you wanted to say when we were talking about Gibsons or Strats. Was it this song you? I do believe this was on a Strat. Interesting. And you can kind of tell in the beginning when it's his vol- a, volumes rolled it's back. It's got a slinkier sound than you're used to hearing with the Les Paul, for sure. And when you hear the live versions, it sounds a lot different because he's playing those on a Les Paul. I think you're right. That makes mm-hmm. total sense. Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street, 1972. You know the album? I'm familiar with the album, yeah. There's a song called Shake Your Hips. Okay. Put that on really quickly right I will, because I, I'm not familiar with that. I'll do that. Okay, great. It is sort of this song. <laughs> Interesting. If you well, want to take a quick gander. I will check it out for sure. Okay. And also, I, of course, John Lee Hooker. Yeah, that's a, a John Lee Hooker song. And this and Boogie and, Chillin'. I Boogie Chillin'. And I've heard Billy, he gives John Lee Hooker credit for this intro part of LaGrange for sure. So maybe they both kind of, you know. Okay, but. five picks for LaGrange. Now chic i love chic now chic chic has a different tone because this is a clean very funky guitar yeah Yeah. but i love it it's a kind of minimalist you know there's not a lot of instrumentation just a funky and funny lyrics you know the typical lyrics cool guy lyrics it's like the man with no name in the Clint Eastwood movies, right? It's, it's a continuing, I, I picture continuation. These songs are all like the same dude, you know, in the songs. It's cool. I give this a five to yeah, me. I love it. That's fantastic. You, you think it's a five too? The lyrics are great. Lyrics are awesome. Go print out the lyrics or go view the lyrics online. They're, they're just awesome. And then the last song is the, the gospel song. Have you heard? And I would, you know, to be honest, I was surprised that this was actually written by Hill and Gibbons. I assume this was actually an old spiritual that, that they did, but it's, it isn't, it's one they wrote, but it sounds like a, a gospel song you'd hear in a church somewhere. Great song, great slide playing on this one too. Yeah. I had that great down slide as well. Playing, but just a very, boom, the bass is very, Boom, boom, but it works. It's it's a great tune. 
uh, great slide. And I think it's a good closing track. It's a good track to, to end the song on. Um, and it sort of fades out into the, you know, the sunset. It, it does. Yeah. It's a, it's a great song and brings to close a great album. I give it, I give it 4.99 stars. <laughs> and again, only to differentiate. So hot blue and righteous have you heard are great songs. And the only reason I give them slightly lower is I think compared to the other songs, I got to have some type of differentiation between because the other songs are so awesome that I have to do something there. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I'll go with 4.5. 4.5. Okay, great. So I think it's pretty clear that you and I both love this album. Would you say it's in your top five or, or top 10? Definitely top 10. Okay. Yeah. It's yes. in my top, it's in my top five and it's, it's a great album. Uh, I think everyone should own it. And I think, you know, it shows that, that Billy Gibbons is, I mean, he's, he's a master. I'm, he's, he's just awesome. I mean, he's like an idol of mine for sure. I always try to play his, his stuff and I get, it get tripped up. I'm like, wait, yeah. it doesn't sound that difficult. And that, it's the way he does it, it, which is it's, always what I say. It's the magic. It's there's yeah. something about the way he does it. And I love what you said earlier about, uh, I don't want to play as many notes. I want to play, play them. However you said it, that quote you shared, that's exactly what it is. And I think that kind of sums up his style. Um, I heard that in the eighties, or maybe when CDs came out, the original mix was not uh, distributed on CD. Yeah. It wasn't the released uh, album for like 20 years. Right. And and apparently the drums were really different. So and people were complaining about it. And yeah. So they re, re-released a you know, remastered version. I had what they called the ZZ Top Six Pack. Okay. Which was their first six albums. So I think it took you up through... El Loco. I can't remember. It left, but, but it was six ZZ top albums and they completely, re, they, they, what they did is they made the drums sound like the eliminator drums. Yeah. No. And people were pissed off rightly so. And it was funny because for so many years, that's how I listened to the earlier albums. Not this one. Cause I always had this one on vinyl, but like first album, the Rio Grand mud. The only thing I'd heard it was on my ZZ top six pack with these, the modern drums. And I didn't even know they'd done that. Only I thought those drums sound awful modern for 1971. Well, it's because they'd gone in and, and, and they'd done some things and added some delay and weird things. And so when they actually reissued the new ones and I went and bought on CD, the newer versions, it was quite a difference. So that was dumb. You get three live tracks, right? You get three live tracks. You get waiting for the bus. Jesus just left Chicago and LaGrange live. And it's, it's, it's awesome. I still like to pull out the vinyl because I like to hear the crackle, but it's great. Jeff, this has been a blast. Thank you for joining me this week. My pleasure. It's been awesome. Thank you for listening. You can email us classic guitar rock at mail.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor, let us know. It could be, it could be great. Uh, You'll be surprised at how affordable it is to be a sponsor on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us 
at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast.